This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Really pleased. Um, everyone knows our hand form in the, in the last period has been affecting the fact that we should have more points for different reasons. And today was a, there was a game, perfect game for us. Tough opposition, of course, but a game to fight. Um, a game to give everything. Our aggression from the first minutes was great in terms of working off the ball and then some of the chances we created through the game. I couldn't ask for any more from the players in a tough match. Maybe not to concede and give me a nervous few minutes at the end, but uh, deserve to win and I'm very pleased. Yeah, but it didn't, it didn't, this one didn't need to go to the monitor. It needed to be decided that it was a red card. It was clear. I would say if it was one of my players, it's a, it's a tackle that seriously endangers Aspilicueta. Um, everybody who knows football can see that straight away. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And, and I'm disappointed because we've had two in a week. It didn't affect the game today. It would have affected, certainly would have affected the game on Monday. Um, and I'm disappointed because I'm an advocate of VAR. I, I, I want it to work. I want it to get those sort of decisions right because that's what we all want. And it was so clear that that was a red card instantly. This another question marks for us. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Chelsea boss Frank Lampard after doing the double over his mentor Jose Mourinho and Tottenham Hotspur. This is off the ball. We are staying away from politicking huh? for an hour. What? But, but, but. This is so weird. But, I, think, I think now, more than ever, we need football. It's, yeah, exactly. We're staying away from politics, but we are talking balls. <laughs> hey. Very good, very good. Hey. Uh, Cam is here. Hello, Ross. Hello. Uh, Kishnan's here. Hello, hello. And Nicholas Anil's here. Hello, Ross. Uh, tweet us at BFM Radio. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. It's BFM Football. As usual, first part of the show, we look back at the weekend's action and um, Spurs 2, Chelsea 1. Uh, Chelsea doing the double over Spurs. Uh, significant that uh, Olivier Giroud started in the number nine role uh, for, for the Blues. Did really well, as everybody predicted he would have. And uh, yeah, it looks like he's got that, that job. I think it's a mixture of a couple of things, really. Um, uh, Frank Lampard must have been really impressed with the way Giroud has responded after all the transfer rumours throughout January where he you know, he was reportedly really close to sealing a switch uh, elsewhere in London to Spurs. But obviously the move did not materialise. And I think how Giroud has carried himself post that move not working out, knowing that he's got uh, the Euros to look forward to it, he needs to be in the French squad, he's worked his socks off. And you mix that with the fact that... Now, I've been a big fan of Batshuayi and I've always yeah, asked yeah. why... You know, Frank Lampard hasn't given him more opportunities to the starting eleven. But when he did get the opportunity against Man United um, last week, two weeks ago, um, he wasn't really impressive no, in that game. Well, really well, struggled. Exactly. Um, and, and he's paying the price. And so in comes Giroud and he really impressed. Yeah, no, Giroud c- coming in, taking his chance. Well, well he, he, that's the, the story for this match for me was Giroud. I'm, I'm a big fan of Giroud. And I feel that he's a player who can work with so many different types of setups yeah. and mm-hmm. really can give something. And I'd be, I'd be so sad if he misses out on the France squad because yeah. he's, uh, he's not having mm-hmm. the game time. He, he deserves it and he... The goal was sweetly taken and made by him completely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you you see, this is his first start in what uh, four months, and and just the fact that he was so alert, so lively in the box. I mean, first shot with his uh, left foot blocked, and he had the awareness to just stay alive and stay active. And when the when the rebound came to him, 
you know he tucked it away like a like a striker that has been starting every mm. game for Chelsea mm. uh, obviously it comes with bag of experience but as uh, Kish mentioned you know he has that determination and you know never that that never give up attitude to to wanting to fight for his place and you know even though he's uh, third down the pecking order when he got his chance to give it a plum um lots of pluses for for uh, super frankie lampard because ross barkley put in a good shift i think he had four shots on target um his last 28 games didn't amount to that apparently <laughs> or something like that uh, apart from that you re- we also were, were were shown a fleeting marcos alonso you remember what mm-hmm. nice goals yeah. he's capable of as well right uh, He was great in the back three system that Chelsea used yeah. to play under, um, and momentarily under Sarri and previously under Conte, but um, struggled in, in in his back four. But this time around, he looked he looked quite okay. And I think it was an important win for Chelsea because we all know that they, they are now embarking on this run of fixtures that's going to see them play. I think like five or six big teams, yeah. both um, at home and abroad in in Europe as well. And after that two 0 defeat to Man United, where they really really looked. Like they lacked ideas at large portions of the game, uh, it was really important for them to come out and get this crucial win. Uh, although it was, you know, you had VAR messing well, so many well, things around yeah, it, yeah. but but uh, yeah, crucial win. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's look at Spurs. Jose Mourinho, of course, um, his job is made tougher. No Kane, no Son, but he's paid to find solutions. Yeah. No, but. <laughs> What if you don't have a cane and you don't have a son? You, what you find solutions? You, you, this this you, to, this is the the Levy has been great in so many ways in getting bargains and, and managing to achieve quite a lot with uh, Spurs at a, a lower price. But this is where it all comes back to Roos. When you've lost two great players up front, and Deli Ali. I mean, he can't really lead the line. In 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 that in that system, they played. Uh, they kind of had Berg Bergwijn and, yeah. and Lucas Moura yeah. as two false nines, didn't It's, they? Yeah. It was really weird because nobody was the focal point. Yeah, because <laughs> what can you do? What can you it, do? it doesn't work because they're both very similar, like like uh, type players. Yeah, they're both, busy. They're, yeah, yeah. They, they they are lively. They like to operate on the wings. They like to operate with space. And um, you know, their forte they, or their strength rather is uh, supplying or being the creator of uh, of goal scoring opportunities. Um, and now being trust in that forward role, um, uh, I don't know if it work out. Probably with with games they might sort of uh, find some sort of combination. But against big teams, you need to acclimatize well, quickly and. And make an impact, and exactly. it didn't happen. Well, two things here: Mourinho is going to have to change the formation. I don't know, tweak it to But, to to a system that fits them. One or blood youngsters. Troy Parrott's yeah. been mentioned. Yeah, right? that's on, honestly. He, yeah, that's, he doesn't trust them. Honestly, that's the solution he's got to st- start looking into. Because I cannot imagine a Mourinho side playing without. Uh, an out-and-out striker or a recognizable mm. striker because wherever he's been, yeah. you, you look at the history of all the clubs that he's managed. He's always had that iconic number nine. He was he desperately wanted Romelu Lukaku at Man United. He was the guy who went for Zlatan Ibrahimovic back at Chelsea. He had places like Samuel Ito and, mm-hmm. and all that, Diego Costa even under him. You go all the way back to Real Madrid, Karim Benzema into Milan. He had um, yeah Samuel Ito as well, Diego Milito. He, he's always had traditional strikers, you know, pulling the strings. 
Um, and Harry Kane, which is why a lot of us were excited when Mourinho went, because Harry Kane is the sort of striker that, that you knew Mourinho could get the best out of. And now that he's lost Harry Kane, he's also lost Son, and they did not manage to do what Man United did in the transfer window, yeah. which is get an emergency stopgap measure. Man United went for Igalo, who was also linked to Spurs, yeah. but that move fell through. Spurs were also linked with Olivier Giroud, which did not happen. And in the end, they only got a winger in the form of Sturf, uh, Steve uh, Bergwijn, who's yeah. been brilliant, but he's not a striker. No, and, and that's really unnecessary pressure on a brand new that, signing That begs as the well. question, was, was Bergwijn uh, a supplies to requirement? Was he a luxury signing? Because when Lucas Moura signed for Spurs, I think it was last season or two seasons ago, we asked the same question. Mm-hmm. Was he really required uh, uh, to be part of this team when they already had so many wingers? And... And now again, they go and buy a winger and um, looking at Son to play the number nine role, which he did execute um, um, effectively in, uh, just before he had that, that injury. Um, and yeah, now we're back to, to the same old story. And, and Mourinho will soon uh, be finding um, ways to sort of uh, compensate for this. And um, he doesn't seem to have many options to do that. But also with Parrot, who when players don't play, they become the greatest players in the whole world. Yeah, yeah, true, true. But he, he, Mourinho spent a lifetime not blooding young players. Well, this is it. And but but you... so in a, if he did it now and Parrot turned out to be fantastic... Imagine how ashamed he would be. No, no. <laughs> it, it'd be another bow nah, to the Jose Mourinho. I, no, I, just think, I just think he doesn't trust them. Yeah, I, uh, I think that is you know, a nutshell. Like a Man United, obviously people say that he gave plays like Rashford a lot of opportunities here and there. But, I mean, Rashford was blooded in by Louis van Gaal before he left. Uh, players that were, you know, had a bit more recognition mm-hmm. already when he came in. It's difficult to imagine him. You never saw at Greenwood. Un, 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 yeah, uh, but un... but I think at at some point Mourinho has got to make this decision because they really look like they genuinely lacked options yeah. up front, and you they, they can't keep this run going because that quest for top four is going to get tighter, and things could get really complicated for Mourinho right. if they don't get Champions League or even Europa League for that matter. Yeah, well, uh, battle for for the final twelve games for Jose Mourinho and Spurs. Chelsea maintain that buffer. They are in fourth. They keep the the three-point lead over uh, the fifth-place team. Uh, and uh, we should talk about Southampton. Southampton 2, Aston Villa 0. Uh, Dean, Smith, Dean Smith and Aston Villa are definitely in a relegation battle here. Um, this was one he would have marked down on the calendar as, as Villa need to come away with something, I'm sure. Um, Shane Long scored a goal with his private parts. <laughs> Did he? So it was a, it was a long... <laughs> Private okay. part goal. Oh, jolly good. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this match, you know, VAR played a part again. Uh, again, again, VAR um, really but, but, but correctly, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what, one thing good about Hassenhuttle, we, we're talking about blooding youngsters. Uh, there was a youngster here, Smallbone, 20 years old. He's been at Southampton since he was eight. Turned oh. 20 on Friday, given his debut, central midfield. Ran the show. Mm. He really did. He kept everything moving. Hardly made a mistake. Reminds yeah. you of that. Um, what was that? South- Matt Longstaff's debut against yeah. Man United. Yeah, yeah. yeah winning exactly goal, right? the same. Yeah. Is it? Is he Liverpool's next purchase? Then I don't know. <laughs> so what? What it means now is Ralph Hasenhuttle has a small bone to pick. You're on a roll. Hey! <laughs> well. hey? But again, it it, it uh, highlighted uh, Villa's uh, deficiencies at the back. I mean. 
Yeah, they, in, in retrospect, uh, of course, you know, great win for Southampton. They were the hungrier side. They created more opportunities. But just looking at the two goals, you know, they were such soft goals. And as you mentioned, Shane Long was allowed to score with his private part. And, and the second goal as well, you know, really soft goal. Yeah. Uh, they, load, uh, they wrote their luck a lot against uh, Spurs uh, last week. You know, unfortunate uh, to lose by just three goals, I thought. Um, and um, yeah, you know, uh, just... just Putting aside the defensive frailties, you look at the midfield, the likes of Douglas Lewis, the likes of Makamba, where were they? They were just yeah, completely yeah. outrunning the, in midfield. and yeah. But Grealish was really good. Grealish was... Was he was, though? He, he, I thought he was one of his poorest performances but, in yeah. recent you, times. You, you feel for, for people like, like Jack Grealish and even Tyrone Mings because you can see the frustration on the, face, on the faces and... How much can it go on? I mean, if Villa don't stay up, they're going to lose these players, right? For sure. Yeah, they will, yeah. It looked like the turning point for Villa season had come after they had qualified for the Carling Cup final because uh, I think before that, they were really on a roll. They did did well uh, to reach the Carling Cup final, you know, uh, beating Leicester City. But... I, th- I think the mentality has sort of shifted after after they got that far. That all the focus has now been trained on trying to win a silverware rather than trying to stay in the league. And it's can you, you such can a imagine. big reflection. Of Carabao Cup next weekend, right? Aston Villa, Man City, six, seven, eight. Nine, <laughs> it nine, could be a Manchester City, Watford, not too long ago. Absolutely. Yeah. No, but it, didn't City win six one this season? Yeah, they did. Yeah, <laughs> Villa would will be a lot more up for it though, uh, but. Uh, did, did Tyrone Mings, this was his first match after being out for a while. Yeah, totally and they need him to get up to yeah. get up to speed. Jack Grealish, I mean, he, he he's great. Uh, we've watched him multiple times this season. And I think we had that conversation last week as well, whether it's him over Madison for England. Yeah. But it's performances like this but where... You, you know, Southampton did a job on him. They did. They really they, they did. Had, they had James Watt-Prowse playing as a right exactly. back. Exactly. Right? Which is, you, you'd rarely ever see that. Absolute. But they knew they needed to do that and to stop him. And he was really good. And, yeah, he was it's, immense. It's one thing for Jack Grealish to be marked closely. And it's another thing to also just observe his body language because I think he, he just felt really genuinely frustrated Well, that's what I mean. And, and, and at the end of the day, you're, you're what, 22, 23? Don't you want to have fun? Isn't it a bit much? You, you whole... want him at United. <laughs> <laughs> you're just, just, just want to beam these words out to, to Birmingham. I'm sure you're downloading this, Jack. <laughs> but yeah, Villa with a lot to do. I think they should really not think about the Carabao Cup final. They should really just concentrate <laughs> On the rest of the but season. But again, Ross, um, when they got promoted and when they were building the the team for the new season, we all knew that this could be a difficult one because yeah, yeah. when Fulham did it, they got promoted and built comp- an entire whole new team yeah, for the Premier yeah, League yeah. and they got dismantled almost instantly. Villa did it, but you know it wasn't by choice. They were forced to. A lot of their players were out of contracts. A lot of the players were loaned and had mm, to go mm, back mm. to their parent clubs, Axel Tuanzebe and, mm. and uh, what's the guy at Chelsea? Uh, Tammy right. Abraham. Tam- Tammy Abraham so they, they had no options but to build a whole new squad. And the problem with doing that is you risk not having a team that's gelled in properly. Well, and you, at some point, you, you could crumble. You look at established Premier League clubs having trouble finding a number nine and you think yeah. Aston Villa can just go and buy one like that, yeah. right? Um, all right, well, Villa in trouble uh, with 12 games to go. Southampton, they're safe. They've taken 12 po- 13 points uh, from a lost possible 15 available so well done Hassan Hotel. well done uh, the Saints we've got to talk about Burnley 3 Bournemouth nil. this was where VAR reared oh. its head it's yeah. the most ugliest it's the most <laughs> dis- <laughs> oh, I've really felt for the uh, 
<laughs> I mean, how, how much worse can well, it be? You... Big picture this, right? Burnley go one out. So Eddie House, Bournemouth are, are fighting, are fighting. They get an equaliser. They score an equaliser. They celebrate. And they celebrate. <laughs> and Eddie House jumping up and down. They go VAR checking. Goal perfectly good. But it was disallowed because right at the start of the move, the ball hit the shoulder, maybe upper arm yeah. of a Bournemouth player. So goal disallowed. Penalty awarded to Burnley. Double bubble. That is the worst I've ever seen. And, and before that, Bournemouth had a goal chalked off as yes. well. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't see what the problem was. With no. Bournemouth. Yeah, that one was less obvious uh, compared to, to this one. to be one. a handball, I couldn't see. Yeah. From potentially being equal yeah. in to, terms of goals. So you, the, the, the after the match, I, I watched uh, the post-match, uh, Eddie Howe. He was saying... The players have lost all faith in the system. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They just crumbled when they yeah. thought they were 1-1. Suddenly, they were 2-0 down. Yeah. Right? And, and, as a professional mm. player, wow, it must be quite hard. But flip side, Burnley suddenly have a lot of depth up front, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> this Matej Vidra guy, yeah. he was the fourth choice striker. He's a bit different, though, he, from the rest. He hasn't played for, I don't know how long he's coming, two in two. He plays really well with, um, what's his face, with the ponytail? Uh, Jade Rodriguez. Jade Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A former Southampton um, um, uh, reject, you could you could yeah. call it, who's now, you know, making a name for himself uh, with Burnley. And, but and if they want Route 1 football, they can always depend on Ashley Barnes and, yeah, and exactly. uh, Chris Wood. Yeah, and it, what, what astonishes me most is the absence of Chris Wood. You know, Burnley's uh, attack uh, revolved a lot around uh, yeah. Wood's uh, height and strength, yeah, yeah. And, and now they found a way to work around it. And another guy who's, who's absolutely shown is uh, Dwight McNeil. Yeah. He's been yes. absolutely immense, you know. Yeah. Uh, just reading some of his stats, he's played... Uh, one of the most uh, among uh, the under-20 players uh, all across Europe. And um, he's at the perfect club to actually enhance his footballing he's uh, abilities. another Man United Academy uh, who, who, uh, player who, who had to leave to, to better his career. And now the talk of United actually having him on the <laughs> radar again, as they do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but he's, yeah, Dwight McNeil's he's, is he, quality. He's, Burnley is a team filled with grinders. You've got people who work 110%. They, they, they work their socks off and they, they, they get the tackle. And you know they, they, It's a team full of hard workers. But McNeil offers them something different. He has got a bit of flair. He runs at defenders, takes them on, uh, you know, cuts back, crosses. He's got a bit of the creativity that gives Burnley the edge when it comes to counter-attacking situations. So, good stuff. Uh, Sean Dyche and Burnley no longer... Uh, the threat of relegation hanging over them. Instead, they're looking upwards. Uh, maybe European football. Right, first break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, Man City. Banned in Europe, but they can't stop winning. Next. Where's the try? And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Captain, leader, legend... Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Cam, Nick and Kishnan in the studio. Looking back at Leicester City, nil. Man City, one. Um, City did it the hard way. They, they missed the penalty. They've missed now five of the seven penalties they've been awarded this season. But, interestingly, they've won two on the bounce since the UEFA ban from European football. Um, 
Pep Guardiola sang the praises of of uh, it was a, it was a difficult game. Uh, I thought Leicester were quite good. I thought Kasper Schmeichel, what a top goalie. Well, yeah, because you said Mister Penalty. He didn't miss no. it. Kasper Schmeichel really saved but, the hell But out of Man that one. City have failed to score in five of the seven penalties awarded to them this season. Mm. So that is a problem, really. Mm. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I Yes, despite City getting three points, it was a very important win. I think this was robbery. I think Leicester should have gotten something out that, of this game. And again, we are ready. Yeah, free yeah. kick. Not uh, once, twice. Medicine's free kick. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, how that w- the hand was I mean, far if, away if, from if, a natural position. If Troy Dini's goal gets ruled out yeah. for that handball, yeah. which appears to sort of hit like, you know, top the shoulder. top shoulder. Uh, this, I mean... Surely this, was, this is this a, was a hand protecting yeah, the face. Yeah, Surely this is a, so yeah. blatant, so blatant, and and De Bruyne is facing the referee. Come on, he's not even he's not he's, he's like his back is facing the referee. He was, you know, the referee had an absolutely clear view, and he not only missed that, he also missed Edison coming and taking the lights out of yeah, um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so not just out. him missing it. Stockley Park missed it too. Well, that's why I don't understand. So you can. VAR, there's a lot of talk. Should they scrap it? I mean, you can't because the rest of Europe are using it, right? You and know, the rest with, of the world with collisions with goalkeepers and uh, strikers, do they not always go side with the goalkeeper? Even if they do take them out. I've seen plenty of goalkeepers really take out players and you, they still, it comes to nothing. Literally, the referee can just go and have a look at that again. The it, monitor. Yeah, yeah, the monitor. No, honestly, that's the system yeah. that needs to be reinforced, yeah. honestly. Because it's come to a point where I think referees are subconsciously just not wanting to make decisions because now they feel that it's okay if if it's if it did really happen, Stockley Park will say so in my ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can absolve mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. of the responsibility of making this difficult call. And if Stockley Park doesn't say so, we'll just move on. Because there's no way the ref would have seen, for example, going back to the Bournemouth game. The ref, there's no way he would have called that. Yeah, uh, yeah. As a penalty. That, that angle was, was right. so difficult wouldn't, He wouldn't have see. seen that original handball at the start before Bournemouth went yeah. on to score. I mean, that's difficult. So that, but then how far do you go back? That was what? That, he, no, he, yeah. here's the thing. This this particular weekend had revealed a couple of things. Uh, firstly, uh, the referee behind VAR, David Kut, was officiating his second game of the day. The first game was the... Uh, Chelsea Spurs and this was the second game and the Chelsea Spurs was a massive mistake yeah, there. And, and Stockley in, Park in both admitted. instances he did not ask the referee to go and consult uh, the pitch side monitor yeah we actually didn't mention that the Lo Celso stamp exactly uh, that I was mean, also so blatant yeah, that, I mean if you're going to look at that you should look at Serling's one as well that literally, against uh, Delhi Ali that happened in front of both coaches and the fourth official and whilst um, SP Laqueta was getting attention the monitor was literally five feet away from the referee. <laughs> Are they not allowed to? I, I don't know. I, I think the PGMOL think that uh, it takes up too much time if the on-pitch referee has to do that. But, but why is it there? The VAR referee has the ultimate decision to actually uh, tell yeah. the referee on-pitch on um, and advise him if he should go and consult the monitor. If he feels that the referee who's handling the match doesn't need to consult the monitor, then the, the referee will ultimately listen to, mm. to the VR referee. And I, in this case, this referee only had... A, he's got very limited experience. I was watching, 23 matches only. Well, this is it. I was watching and he's allowed Seri- to officiate two big games in a weekend. I was watching Serie A this weekend and literally the referee gets a message in his earpiece saying, maybe you might want to have a look at that again. Like they did in the World yeah. Cup. So yeah. he goes to the monitor... 
He literally looks at the replay three times. He asks for it. To, you can see him talking to, to the VAR people. And then he comes back. He makes a decision. Everybody accepts you know, it. You know, the thing is, even that form of VAR and the one that they use at the World Cup, yeah. we applaud it. But we're not saying that even like VAR in this format doesn't have problems. It sure yeah, does have yeah. problems. But on a scale, the problems are so much lesser compared to the ones you're getting with the system employed in England, which every single weekend, <laughs> yeah. every single weekend, close to over 50% of the matches, well, I, you see I, something Can I just odd. say, I, I, one, I think that they're probably going to sort a lot of these things out. And two, can I just mention the football? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, Leicester, Leicester have been having a number of uh, sp- spotty games, you know, losing and drawing they had such great momentum moving forward. And I feel like, especially the, the, the manner of this loss, it must be taking the sting out of their, their deflating them. They've lost home and away to the two teams above them yeah. this season. Um, but they have a buffer from the they teams have, outside the top four. So what, but they're kind of losing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. even eight now. Yeah. It, it's six points. But I think that buffer's been kind of eaten. It is it being was eaten bigger. Away. It was yeah. way bigger. Yeah. Um, it's getting to a stage now where, yeah, they, they do still need some results. But even if you, uh, they're not going to play Man City again, they're not going to play Liverpool again. So they but, might be all right. Yeah. Um, here's a stat. Kasper Schmeichel's penalty save from Sergio Aguero's penalty was his fourth penalty league pe- uh, save, which is one more than his father, Ooh. Peter, mm. made in his entire Premier League career. Whoa. With... Overrated Peter Schmeichel, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, okay, with all due respect to Leicester, right? Do we know why Casper isn't at a bigger club? He, 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 he was 20, at Man City before, right? Yeah. he yeah. was phenomenal, yeah. right? And you think that winning the Premier League title would finally put a goalkeeper like him at the forefront and make him yeah. a, and, and, you know, and, and, like on the lips of every big club's. Uh, across Europe, but I, I think he's more than just a goalkeeper in Leicester, in the city of Leicester. I, I think now, yeah, it'll be hard for him to leave. Yeah. Not, with all so, I, him not wanting to leave or wanting to leave is one thing, but we've not seen an awful lot of clubs being well, linked with him. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think he just—he's really happy there. Yeah, yeah, he, he fits them really well, and so does Brendan Rodgers. So this is another hiccup for Leicester City, uh, Leicester nil. Uh, Man City won. Let's talk about City's neighbours, the red half of Manchester. Man United 3, Watford nil. Bruno Fernandes with his first United goal. He won the penalty. He scored the penalty. He also Mm. teed up um, uh, Greenwood for his goal and and had a hand in the other goal as well. He was everywhere. He was was immense. £47 million well spent, I say. (laughs) (laughs) More than than well spent. I mean, you, you... even in midweek against Club Rouge. For the nine minutes the that nine he came minutes on. that he came on, I think he created close to three to four yeah. clear-cut chances, could have even scored a couple of goals. It, it, and, and the crazy thing is, he was brought on, uh, the substitutions that were made were to replace Lingard and, and Andres Pereira. And so him coming on and those two leaving, and then you juxtapose the 80 minutes that we had with Lingard <laughs> and Pereira to the nine minutes you had with Bruno Fernandes. And you just compare the differences... And it makes you look at the table, it makes you look at Ole, yeah. and it makes you yeah. wonder how are Man United still in the running for well, Champions I, I, League? I tell you what, this Bruno Fernandes effect is rubbing off on his teammates. I've never seen Anthony Martial smile and score a goal <laughs> like that as well. That was pure sublime cheekiness. <laughs> this was the most cohesive uh, Man United performance I've seen in, in a, a very yeah. long time. Mm. I, I was... 
I was watching them thinking, who are these people? Right. <laughs> um, that And you say Martial, but not only was he happy, but he was making sense. You know, his, his role was making sense. Fred was making sense. Fred was really good. And I hope that this is not a false dawn because I've also seen false dawn since Van Gaal. And I just hope that th these players are going to gel and, and be consistent. The, the difference between all the regimes that we've seen post Alex Ferguson is that in most cases, managers have been there making decisions primarily for themselves and for their immediate tenure mm -hmm, that they need to protect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you see big name signings yeah, coming yeah, in the yeah. flurry Whereas without Ole necessarily addressing yeah, the yeah. old guards that haven't been replaced. Yeah. Ole, literally in the in the one year plus that he's been here, he's made all the difficult decisions. He's taken criticism from fans. He's dealt with bashing from the press whilst removing the likes of Ashley Young, while removing, you know, uh, yeah, sure, Chris Smalling is great at AS Roma, but he wasn't at Man United, no. right? So that was a problem. And the fact Lukaku, that... Lukaku, yeah, oh, yeah. And he's addressed key key. positions He's brought in every single signing that Ole has met. Can we look at them and say any one of them have been bad signings? No. From Daniel James to Juan Bissaka to Maguire to, to now Bruno Fernandes, every single one of them are now first-team players. And and that goes to, to, to show the, the amount of impact that he's, that he's slowly having in the club. I, and I, I know what you're saying, but do you know, I, I can actually see the scenario where come at the end of the season... They will just pat Ole Gunnar Solskjaer yeah. on the head. Unfortunately, yeah. I can see that too. Do you know what too. I mean? And yeah. then say, you've done really well I can now. see that too. And We're going to get a proper manager And in fair now. enough, Poch might yeah. come in yeah. and he might do a great job. But it, he just like you just simply cannot dilute I, I, the I work agree. that Ole I, has done. He might not be a manager of Poch's credibility, of Poch's you know, tactical ability. And he might not be getting Man United to play and compete with you know the, the greatest clubs in Europe at the moment. But he's doing a difficult job. A difficult job that is always that always needs to be done when a club is going through a transition. And, I, and I think the fans see that as well. You know, he's, he's never gotten uh, much flack from the fans, you know, even when United were going, yeah, through, no. yeah, were going through a rough patch. You know, the board always seemed to, to have uh, backed him up. They always seemed to take their frustrations out on Ed Woodward and, and, and Solskjaer always had, had that backing. And I think based on that confidence, you know, he's had the ability to make all these difficult decisions that yeah. you mentioned. And I've been reassessing Pochettino. I think that he uses up players. Uh, as you were saying, Kish, he, he sees players, he needs them for three years, and he uses the hell out of them. And by the time he leaves, they are broken. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, he made Son. He made Son yeah. into the player. Um, that, Harry Kane. Harry Kane, yeah, Harry Harry Kane, was, Kane was developed. Is completely. How much Harry has Harry Winks Kane played? was developed by him? Yeah, but, but they've improved under him. Yeah. What, no, he's... We're in the he's in, in sick bay now. He's he, yeah, he's much. injured. But but I mean, I, I I don't think anyone will be questioning whether Poch will come in and improve Man United. He he probably yeah, will. Yeah, he probably will. But uh, the one thing that frustrates me is just the amount but, of flack but, but, that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mm. gets had, for doing had, a job that most managers wouldn't do. If Pochettino was already there, he wouldn't have made the signings he that Ole have. have made. He wouldn't have. Yeah. He wouldn't have made the decisions that Ole have. Yeah, sticking sticking it when you had players. Like Lukaku, who are clearly, you know, breeding toxicism within the dressing room with his desire to leave, a lot of managers would have kept Lukaku, fearing that they would not have enough strikers up front. But he took the risk. It was a very risky move, yeah. you know. But depending on 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 Mason Greenwood, who is into into it's creeping great. into double figures now, right? Mm. All right. Well, uh, for Watford, uh, they've now lost four of their last five in all competitions. The Nigel Pearson's honeymoon period is over. They lost only one 
in his first eight. So another break then. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up the weekend for you next. Because whilst he's there, it's been very difficult for other clubs to get near them. He's that good. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. England's highest quality title race of all time, but coming out on top again in the Premier League, Manchester City. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Eight. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Cam Rosler, Nicholas Arnil and Kishnan Sundaresan in the studio with me. You can tweet us at BFM Radio. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. It's BFM Football. Uh, just to wrap up the weekend's action, we've got to talk about Wolves. Now, Wolves have played... 819 games already so far this season. (laughs) (laughs) No, they've played, I think uh, I saw a stat which said Raul Jimenez started his 46th game of the season at the weekend. Um, They've got a player on fire at the moment. Diego Jota scored a hat-trick in the Europa League win against Espanyol. He got another couple against Norwich this weekend. Wolves 3-0 winners. They are now... Two points shy of fifth place. For me, that was it was Barcelona Wanderers. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that some of the movements. Yeah, yeah, that team goal, the first goal, the team goal. Yeah, uh, first one. Yes, exceptional. I think Wolves are sort of uh, parading their players for audition for bigger clubs. You <laughs> know, if they don't, if they don't, um, you know, try and somehow find their way into the Champions League uh, places. You know, all these players like Diogo Jota. Um, Ruben Neves, um, even Adamo Traore, they could all be, you know, uh, potential suitors for for bigger clubs. Yeah. And, Easy. you know, they are already showing that, that potential by ripping apart mm. uh, the likes of Norwich. Yeah, of course, Norwich are, mm. are bottom of the table, but the goals that were scored were of the highest quality. Yeah, absolutely. And the way they completely ripped into Espanyol in midweek. Yeah. Yeah. Right? A lot of people expected the game to be a lot closer, mm-hmm. but they just ran riot... Um, uh, Molyneux was was bouncing, but but some of the goals, like the goal that Ruben Neves scored, the one he took on his oh chest, my God. Yeah, the just, just the sheer it. technique. I, I How many impressive Portuguese attacking midfielders are there in the Premier League right now? <laughs> that, there was a stat that said uh, he scores eighty percent of his goals have all come from outside the ah, box. Ah, yes, I think it's three penalties and the rest are all outside <laughs> the box. Something along those lines. I read a tweet uh, that said right after uh, he scored that goal, uh, there were twenty women seated behind the goal, and they immediately all got pregnant. Jimenez scored. Uh, he ended a mini drought. First goal in four, but uh, that was just actually following up Jota's shot, <laughs> which cannoned off the goal. But yeah, great news for 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 uh, Wolves. Norwich are are definitely down, right? I yeah. mean, and. What do we say about them? What, what have they learned from this season? I mean, yeah, you you can have your principles. You I think you need pragmatism. Absolutely, um, it's about survival for a club like, for example, for a club like um, maybe Brighton or even Wolves um, to take that risk and be very stylistic in the way you play football. You either have a couple of few years of buffer zone where you be pragmatic like Brighton did before yeah, going yeah, into yeah. you know appointing a more continental manager in the form of Graham Potter, or you do the Wolves way where you just pump money and improve the squad from well, day one. Well, yeah, because I, I, you you look at Daniel Farker and you yeah, don't think yeah. he's a bad manager. No, some of the, the the way they play football has been you know such fun to watch. It's the the way they pass the ball around is incredible. It's just that they can't keep doing that when you don't have the players 
able to sustain this level of football and not lead goals at the back consistently throughout the season. I, I don't know if Norwich can do that. Norwich, Norwich has a culture. Mm. Norwich City Football Club, they have a if, culture. No, but right? but they, if, they, if they, they get better players in. Like, for example, the, the guy that started, I can't seem to recall his name now. Young guy, 21 years old. Big, Can, Cantwell. Cantwell, yes. Yeah. He's only 21. Yeah, yeah. But he's great. He's now, very good. Imagine yeah. if you have more players of that, they've, of they've that got, they've quality. Got, I mean, the, the Max Aarons right back is, you, is, is talked you're about. You're looking at Wolves yeah. and you're seeing a player like Diego Jota is impressive. Jota was there even when they were in the championship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? and they in, were investing in amazing players yeah, even when they were in the championship. Agreed, agreed. Norwich did, didn't seem like they would struggle this year, you know, just based on how mm. they qualified no, from the Sheffield championship. United was our tip. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. they, they absolutely blitzed the championship and they started the league, I think, in a rather decent fashion, but then it, it all went its up yeah. right after the goals started drying up but, from. Uh, I mean, we, we've been sat in, in the studio week in, week out. I mean, after 10 games, after 15 games, you go, isn't it? Shouldn't they try to root one? Shouldn't they tighten up at the back? Yeah. And, you know? Um, or so, give the gaffer the place that he needs. Yeah, 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 exactly. All right, well, they're doomed. Well done. Wolves are on the up. We've got to wrap up uh, the weekend's action with Arsenal 3, Everton 2. Oh, best game of the, what, of the weekend. What? Great fun. Yeah. It started off with, with everybody's mouth dropping <laughs> dropping down. It was like, did he just overhead kick that? Did, did Calvert-Lewin just over... It was amazing. He didn't look like he meant to score. He just looked like he went <laughs> up on air. And, you know, I'll try my luck and see what happens. And, wow. Yeah, I, I saw the replay. Three, I just went, wow, I what we, a move. We, we got a glimpse of two potential future English Goal scorers, Eddie... Um, Eddie Nketiah. Nketiah. Wow, what Doing, a, what that, a that, touch. That finish was great. And Calvert-Lewin, I mean, that, that acrobatic effort is really kicking into form with, with Everton this season. Uh, I, I really felt bad for Everton. Well, because this is it. Uh, it's one of those games where both... I, I Both sides played so great that if they drew, you'd kind of feel like, oh man, like... This shouldn't be a draw. But if one side takes the win, you feel bad for the other side. So mm. it, it was just one of those games where, yeah, Arsenal were amazing and they, and they scored when they when they had to. But Everton were all over the park as oh. well. Arsenal were amazing. But I, the whole time, I thought that Arsenal were going to go and Arsenal themselves yeah. and just lose it at mm. the last moment. There, there is that um, risk-taking. But, but under Arteta, you've seen them... Come back a lot better mm. you, you, under previous managers, like even Unai Emery, when they go down or they suffer setbacks within a game, yeah. especially in the first half, you see them crumbling further in the yeah, second half. Yeah, yeah. But you see Arteta's Arsenal coming back stronger even when they get setbacks. Last weekend was an example. They, I think they, they were they went behind in the first half mm-hmm, or they considered mm-hmm. goals. And the first half played well in the second half against Olympiakos. There were portions where Olympiakos dominated in the first yeah. half and created chances. Yeah. But they kept going at it and they eventually got... So got you're, you're that, saying that, that Arsenal are no longer Spursy. No, they've got <laughs> some very good players. Bukaya Sako. Oh, yeah. It's amazing, yeah. Wow, yeah. what a cross. Uh, a left-back Conwood who's yeah. already yeah. had 10 assists this season, right? Um, yeah. And, and, and Obama Young continues well, to score. Well, this is it. When, you, when you've got quality yeah. like Obama Young, what, his 19th of the season yeah. now, 60 in I'm 90 just, games for Arsenal. I'm just thinking if, if Arteta goes into the summer, right? You, you've got Leno who is now candidate for... Play of the season for Arsenal. He's yeah. been great in between the sticks for them. Obama Young is pulling the sticks up fine. They've got you know plenty Central of creative. defensive. Is this that? Yeah. That's the one. That's it. Right. Even in midfield, you got Lucas yeah. Torreira, yeah. yeah. Granite Xhaka. All of a sudden, looks a much better player yeah. under under Ateta. But it's just you, you look at that first goal that they conceded. Yeah. That was, where was David Luiz? Absolutely. Right? Your eyes and, and even the second goal. The even ball. the second goal was was a little bit. And, yeah. and I tell you what, Mustafi can't pull off that haircut. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That, so, that dyed purple. 
great thing. <laughs> no, no. Improve that defense, and imagine what this Arsenal side could be like. Yeah, yeah. And 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 Everton, uh, Ancelotti said. They played really well with atrocious defending. <laughs> I mean, the second half was theirs for the taking. It they, was, should right? have, they should have taken something from this game. You know, Ancelotti will be looking back as, as two points drop. And, and yeah, he has every reason to, to bemoan uh, not only the defensive frailties, but also the attacking prowess. No doubt, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been one of the most improved players uh, under Carlo Ancelotti. But, you know... If you have a world-class striker, he would have tucked away at least one of the few chances that Everton had in the second half, you know. He had several chances to pull Everton back level. And um, yeah, he, he, he did not. And ultimately, it, it, it paid. It, it, it told. And um, that is the difference, I, I would say, between Arsenal and Everton. You know, Arsenal have a world-class striker who doesn't need much opportunities to put away uh, his chances, uh, whereas Everton, you mm. know, they're still lacking that that Ju- bite in the, in the final Everton. third. <laughs> well, that might not be a, the worst shout ever. Well, Arteta has got a job in the summer. He's got to try and keep uh, Obama Young at, at Arsenal. A lot of people are going to yeah, come for him. Exactly. Um, Barcelona, your Real Madrid, people mm. are going to come knocking on the door yeah. for Aubameyang because yeah. he's a guaranteed goal scorer. Absolutely. And Real Madrid, uh, Karim Benzema is, is is aging. Luis Suarez is is slowly fading away with and, Barcelona. And Braithwaite the, might not last uh, next yeah. season. <laughs> so, you know, people are going to come knocking on the door for Aubameyang. It's going to be really difficult. All right. Uh, final break. When we come back immediately from the break, you will get your winners and losers of the weekend and we're going to preview the midweek action for you. Where's the try? He's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Captain, leader, legend. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. This week's winners and losers. Arrogant Cheeky with a touch of class. Manchester United fans have a new hero in Bruno Fernandes and he is our big winner this Monday. A £47 million January signing from Sporting Lisbon, Bruno scored one goal and helped make two more as United solved Watford to move up to fifth place in the Premier League. So for bringing the swagger and the feel-good factor back to Old Trafford, we say Bruno Fernandes, you are Monday's main man. Honourable mentions go to Anthony Marshall for that audacious chip over Ben Foster for United second. To Olivier Giroud, 14 goals in his past 14 starts for Chelsea in all competitions, scoring 10 and assisting 4. There should be no doubt at this point. To Burnley's Mataj Vidra, the forgotten Czech now has 2 in 2. To Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace, their win against Newcastle pushes them up to 13th, 9 points clear of the bottom 3. To Diogo Jota of Wolves, that's five goals in a week for the Portuguese striker. And finally, to Arsenal's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, he's up to 19 for the season. Can Arteta convince him to stay? Monday's big loser is Dean Smith and his Aston Villa side. Villa managed just one shot on target against Southampton, lost the game 2-0 and are now just one point above the drop zone. It's not a great rehearsal for next weekend's cup final. So for crumbling to their third consecutive defeat with a limp performance that has relegation candidates written across it, we say Aston Villa, you are Monday's big losers. Dishonourable mentions have to go to Jose Mourinho. Granted, Spurs are missing Kane and Son, but Jose is getting paid something like £15 million a year to find solutions and not moan. To Eddie Howe's Burnmouth, who suffered their second straight defeat and are only two points clear of the bottom three. Chelsea are up next. 
to Norwich City, they remain 7 points adrift of safety with only 11 games remaining. And finally, to Nigel Pearson's Watford. The honeymoon period is over. It's now just a single point from their past four games. A lot of work still to be done if they want to stay up. Producer Tasha there with the weekend's winners and losers. I tell you who the big, big, big winner was. Leona Lewis. <laughs> she got to open the new JDT Stadium and you were there, weren't you, Keish? It was an incredible new stadium. Uh, we've seen photos of it all over the internet over the last few months, especially towards the end of the construction phase. But just to be there um, last last Friday and just to... Last Saturday, in fact, and just the sheer magnificence of yeah, the venue. Yeah. I mean, the launch ceremony was amazing. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. But my focus was just what the facility could be like for a f- game of football. And it's ridiculous. Three things that genuinely impressed me uh, was the way the noise operates within the stadium because mm-hmm. it's it's obviously a closed dome. Mm-hmm. So it, the noise levels bounce up and down. And when the boys of straights were chanting, it was incredible. It gave me goosebumps all over. Uh, the pitch conditions, the oh, pitch yeah. is probably, not probably, it's the best in the, in the country. <laughs> it's definitely the best. Um, in Southeast Asia, it's probably on par with uh, Gelora Bunkarno in Indonesia. And, and um, there's another stadium in Thailand, I think it's the Buriram United Stadium. So it's probably one of the best in terms of the pitch in Southeast Asia. And I think what's amazing, the best part of the stadium is that it's got the LED lighting. Yeah, that looks which, spectacular. You know, it can switch from zero to 2,500 lux in like one or two seconds. Wow. And it's modelled after what Juventus have at the Allianz Stadium in Turin. Yeah. So when JDT score goals, lights are going to be flickering around at the top to create the, the, that atmosphere of brilliant. excitement. It's, brilliant. They've really looked into the entertainment factor and it's a stadium purely constructed for people to enjoy a game of football. And that's amazing. Well done. Well done, JDT. Uh, well done, TMJ. World-class stadium in Malaysia. So so nice to be able to say that. Right, very quickly, um, some of the football. There is one Premier League match left tonight. We were going to put David Moyes and West Ham in our losers column even before they kicked off their match. <laughs> oh, so cruel. But we, exactly, we thought that'd be a bit cruel. We were just talking to a Liverpool fan, and he's saying he's saying it's a potential banana skin for <laughs> Liverpool. Charlie, get a line. West Ham at home. Uh, at Liverpool home is Liverpool a, and banana skins can't be in the same exactly. sentence uh, and it's not going to be provided by West Ham that's for sure <laughs> Un- unlikely uh, Champions League action Chelsea against Bayern Munich that is going to be tasty are Franks Chelsea good enough mm, are, are they at that mm, level mm, mm. we spoke about the yeah. round of fixtures that yeah, they were going to yeah, go yeah, through yeah, this, yeah, is yeah. this is one of this be a is massive the toughest test, test. Yeah, it, uh, undoubtedly the toughest test I mean you, you're coming up against serial uh, European winners uh, Bayern Munich filled with uh, with uh, winners all over the park and um, yeah Chelsea are, are going to put out a relatively young team by their standards uh, it's going to be a tough us, very, very tough us. Bayern beat Paderborn 3-2 on Friday. They're top of the Bundesliga, one point clear of Leipzig. Uh, Napoli versus Barcelona is also a Wednesday game. Napoli beat Brescia 2-1 on Friday. They're sixth in Serie A. Barca beat Aiba 5-0 oh, on Saturday. Lionel Messi. Going into nah, the game, nah. Messi had his worst goal drought for six years. <laughs> It was a four-game goal drive. Wow. After this game, outrageous. Messi scored four in this game. Oh. Just to make up. Outrageous. I think he's got, what, 1,000 goals now, apparently? It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. How many, and how many hat-tricks? Well, this I, man I, is out of the yeah, planet, I, man. I, I, no, no. It's not even a discussion. Yeah. Out of the planet. Leo Barca Messi. are two points clear of Real at the top. Um, yeah, Na- Napoli... 
they're, they're sixth in yeah, Serie Yeah, they're not too bad as well. They're not too yeah, bad. They're, they're quite good fun to watch. Uh, Real Madrid against Man City is going to be a lot of fun. It's a Wednesday night, Thursday morning game. Uh, Real had a, suffered a blow this weekend because Eden Hazard has a fractured right ankle, picked up the injury uh, over in Saturday's loss 1-0 to Levante. Uh, he's also going to miss El Clasico at the weekend. So it's not going well, but Real are hanging in there. And, and that's all Zidane keeping yeah. them in there. I, I, somehow he's got Benzema scoring goals again. <laughs> the, it's like 1995. Again. The La Liga title race is, uh, is awesome to watch because, again, you know, even though it pits the top two... Uh, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid, they're only separated by what? A, a point? Mm. Yeah, so it's so close. And you know it's going to go down to the wire. And and uh, this is the perfect preview before the Clasico. But Real Madrid are stumped. They not only uh, are going to miss Hazard. Uh, I hear that uh, Gareth Bale might be missing out as well. So if that's the case, then, uh, you know, uh, the big opportunity for Manchester City to sort of um, try and... Um, Get something out of this of this game, you know. Yeah. Uh, even if they can get a draw in Bernabeu, I think uh, the onus is on them to to sort of come I, away I, with I, a win. And this isn't your average uh, Champions League run for Manchester City. No. This is make or break. This is everything. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is make or break. Yeah. Ever be. It's also yeah. got lots of goals written all uh, over yeah. it. A lot, and it's good. But honestly, this. Manchester City are a side full of quality, but this Real Madrid team under Zinedine Zidane are a complete different Absolutely. beast. Absolutely, this is a team that's in that earlier in the season so much of pressure was on players like Eden Hazard for not. But right now, Eden Hazard still hasn't hit the kind of heights that he hit with Chelsea. But you don't hear that criticism mm. anymore because the team is doing well. Teams, and it's yeah. a team in transition, yeah. and they're slowly fading off players like phasing off players like Marcelo mm-hmm. with uh, Ferland Mandy, mm-hmm, who's been mm-hmm. great for them at left back. Um, and they're only going to get better next season. And this season alone, they're still not an easy side to crack. Leon take on Juventus uh, Thursday 4am. Got to mention Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo marked his 1,000th senior appearance with his 725th goal. Scott, he scored, he's now scored in 11th consecutive Serie A matches. He's equal Gabriel Batistuta, Quagrella's record. Um, yeah, he's 35. He turned 35 two weeks ago, didn't he? He takes care of himself. So, yeah. so we reckon he get his thousandth goal maybe in uh, somebody, two years. Somebody posted on the internet a picture of Charlie Adam, who's who's a year younger. Than, <laughs> than, than, than you should see how Charlie Adam looks. Yeah, someone should tell him Amri Aya and Indra Putra are still playing in Malaysia. <laughs> you know? So if they can, Ronaldo can go to till his forties. Um, Europa League second leg of the round of 32 Espanyol nil Wolves 4 that's Friday 1.55am Arsenal uh, carry a 1-0 lead to the Emirates as they take on Olympiacos Friday 4am Man United against Club Bruges uh, 1-1 is the score. Are we going to see the three English clubs making it through in the Europa? Are we going to see all the English clubs making it through? Wow, that's really, yeah. that's really arrogant talk. <laughs> that is, but probably. <laughs> Chelsea Bayern will be very interesting. It can either be a complete thumping or it's a coming-of-age mm. game. Do you know what I mean? For, yeah. for, for Frankie's blues. and Interesting. I'm looking forward to, to it all, and that means no sleep. Uh, great. For now, uh, we're done. Uh, you can get back to politicking now. So I'm going to say, yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. thanks to the guy. Oh, Thank man. you, Cam. Now Thank we you. get back to reality. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Keish. Cheers, Ross. And thank you, Nicholas. All right, goodbye, Ross. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, don't be too stressed, right? Friday, we're back with another footy show. Yay! 
Off the Ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.